Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hi there, Cammy from Team Sirius. This week on the podcast, we've got the awesome Mary Carmen Farias. She's going to take us through the recent uh, Tri Club camp in Boulder. She's going to talk us through all the individual sessions. So if you went along to the camp, it'll be a great refresher. If you didn't go, still plenty of value there because she goes into a lot of detail. Uh, so don't forget, if you want to join these chats live, you can join the Tri Club at TeamSiriusTriClub.com. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Coach MC. Welcome to the live chat. I still have all the energy from camp, so I'm super pumped, super excited to be here today. Um, and what I'm going to talk about today is just going a little bit over what happened during camp. So this is mostly, you know, for all of uh, for all of those of you who didn't get an opportunity to come to camp, uh, make sure you ask any questions. And if you're not watching it live, make sure you watch it later. Um, so don't worry if you're not here. And I'm actually going to have to start right away because I have to leave soon. So um, again, if you don't have the opportunity to watch it live, remember that you can always watch it later. Hey, Gabby. Hey, Anne. I'm so happy to see you guys here. Janet. So uh, the first thing I want to do is welcome our new members. Um, so we have Belinda, who was actually in camp, and um, we also have Cisco, Arika, Steven, and Caroline. Welcome, all of you. We are so happy to have you being part of our team. And for those of you um, that are new members and that came to the uh, to camp, um, I know it was an absolutely amazing experience. I actually want to take a little bit of time to thank everyone who took the time to come to camp. I know, um, you know, it's not easy to leave everything behind, to travel all the way over here. So thank you from all of the coaches from Team Sirius. We were so happy and grateful to have you here. Um, and it was an amazing group for all of those of you who were here. I think you can all agree that the group that we have, it was so supportive, so motivating. Everyone was helping one another. We were all learning from one another. And the atmosphere was just so positive so great so thank you also for Beck and Siri for putting all of this together and I also want to thank Siri specifically because even after everything that she's going through she was still present she was sharing like videos with us and also to Beck because I know it was hard for her to be here but she was absolutely present she was doing an amazing job so I want to thank that thank them for making this possible and also for giving me the opportunity to share my experience with you guys it was absolutely one of the best experiences of my life and I I really hope that everyone learned something, that everyone took away something out from camp and that you guys are excited to go back and implement everything that you learned, which is actually something that I highly recommend. If you just came to camp or if you're going to watch this video, make sure you always take notes of the things that you learn because it's so easy to forget. So make sure you have a plan and that you keep track of the things that you're learning so that you can come back to them later and make sure you are implementing them. Um, so yeah, there's that. Now, let me um, get started with um, what happened during camp. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go uh, through each session that we had 
and I'm going to explain the purpose behind each session just so that whoever does not have a coach and is following a training plan, I believe it's extremely important to know the why behind every session so that you understand why is it that the training is set up that way and why is it that it's so important to follow it as it is so that you get all the benefits from the training and you can apply them to yourself. So the first session that we had was a bike session and Beck actually just did a post which was absolutely amazing because she explained everything that we did. So if you wanna know exactly how it was, make sure you go uh, to the page and check the workout in case you wanna try that. Now, this is a workout that we don't necessarily do um, on the training because it's adding everything together that we do throughout the training but since the camp it's only two days we want to make sure um that, that you get everything in one session so that you get an idea of what the training is going to be like and also making sure you're implementing all of the things that we do throughout the you know 10 20 weeks that you're following following the training so the first thing that we did it's the single leg drill now you're gonna see this a lot on the training and the reason why it's so important is because single leg drill it's really gonna help you with the efficiency of your pedal so whenever you uh, and I actually I'm going to tag a video I uploaded a couple months back um, to explain everything that you should be doing when you're doing the single leg drill the leg placement the position that you should be having and all of the details for now just know that the single leg drill it's really going to help you improve your pedal efficiency so that you push up you pull up and you're doing that whole pedaling so that you get more power on each pedal and we usually do it for 30 seconds on each leg so what you do is you clip in on with one foot and then you do 30 seconds uh, while the other foot is on the side and then after 30 seconds you switch and then you do that for about you know five to ten ten times depending on the um, on the interval that you're doing or the workout that you're doing so just know that the single leg drill is going to help you so much to create that efficiency in the pedaling so that you get more power and so that you become a stronger cyclist now the other thing is um big gear which is also something that you're going to be seeing a lot on our training and i actually got asked by someone or someone was sharing with me a little bit of their experience like you know when i get off the bike i usually either cramp or i don't have a good run and i believe that the main reason why that happens is because most people are used to pedal with a very high cadence which we are our philosophy like we don't really recommend that and here's why when we are riding our bike and we are on big gear we are using um the type of muscle that is for strength so instead of being you know breathing super hard and getting all tired we're actually taking advantage of the strength that we have on our legs so that when we get off the bike we can actually use the other type of muscle fibers that are going to allow us to go faster now when we bike we tend to use both depending on whether we're passing or we're going fast but we want to aim for at least 80 percent of the time to be using mostly strength rather than speed so that whenever you get off the bike you have 
fresh legs. Of course, they're not going to be 100% fresh, but so that they're fresh, so that when you run, you're going to feel absolutely amazing. Now, here's the thing with gear, with uh, strong gear. If you are a beginner and you've never done um, high gear before, I, we usually recommend that you begin anywhere between 75 or 70 cadence. Now, if you're a more advanced uh, cyclist and you've been doing gear work, then you can go all the way down to 50, which is super, super low. And I personally don't recommend for those of you who have not done um, gear work to start with 50 because that's going to be really strong. Now, a good way to know if you're going too hard is if your knees start to hurt or if your form starts to become impaired. So again, if you're, in, if you're new to doing strength work on the bike, start somewhere around 75 and then go down from there. Now, the purpose of big gear, gear work, it's not to, you, you're not supposed to have heavy breathing. You should be able to be having a conversation and that's a good way to measure if you're going too fast. But you do wanna, I highly recommend that you get a cadence meter so that you know you're hitting the cadence that's given to you. And the goal is that each time you try to go a little higher and a little higher until you're advanced enough that you can hold a higher cadence, a, a, I'm sorry, a higher gear for a certain time. And at the end, you're gonna be able to do, you know, 30 minutes or an hour with high gear without feeling any type of discomfort. So that's big gear, which is something else we did on the bike. And let's see. Now, the other thing that we do is race effort. Now, race effort, I think that's like, it, it's just like explains itself. Like you want to be able to train on your race effort and just know that race effort is going to be different for everyone, depending on what type of race you're doing, whether you're doing sprint, Olympic, half or full distance. So whenever someone tells you, okay, or on the training, you read race cadence, that is personal depending on what type of race you're doing. So, um, for race effort, it's always recommended that your cadence is anywhere around 76 to 84. Now, this is something I personally like to do in order to figure out what your cadence is, and it's going to be different for everyone. I personally recommend that you start on the lower end and then you work your way up. And I always like to start with the bigger gear. And then I start pedaling and then I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to try to aim to do, let's say an 80 cadence because that's what I, that's what my race cadence is. So I start on the highest gear, make it super hard. And then obviously for most of us, it's going to be hard to hit 80 cadence when we're on the highest gear. So what do you do next? You go up one and then you keep pedaling and it's probably not going to be that gear either. So you keep going up until you find a gear that allows you to hit the 80 cadence. Now, very important here, you have to be very honest with yourself because you can have an 80 cadence and just be spinning out. So just make sure that you always have enough gear on your pedal. You never wanna be spinning out and feeling no power. You always wanna have your muscles engaged. Doesn't matter if you're doing strength, it doesn't matter if you're doing, you know, whatever you're doing, except if you're doing flushing, which is uh, something completely different and it will say very specific, this is a flush set. Um, I highly recommend that you always have some sort of strength 
or you know resistance in your pedal whenever you're doing either strength race cadence or any type of hard effort now um the other thing we did, it's max power. So as you can see, we did a little bit of everything, which again, you're not gonna see all of this usually in one training session. It's usually one, go, going to be one or the other. Uh, but what we did is max power. So what max power means, it's let's say we're gonna have you do 30 seconds all out. And we usually give you a big break so that you can rest. But during those 30 seconds, we wanna we want you to go all out, like everything you have, and those last 10 seconds should feel almost impossible. Now again, just make sure you're having enough gear so that you feel the power in your legs, and for this sets, you are supposed to be breathing hard. You're not supposed to be able to talk. If you're able to talk, you're not going hard enough. We usually give around anywhere from two minutes to three minute break. During the two minutes and 30 seconds, you should still be a little, you know, tired, sort of like still recovering, and then you go back and do it again. Now, what these types of sets are going to do, they're going to help you increase your VO2. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but the VO2 is the amount of oxygen that you can take in whenever you're working out. And obviously the more um, the more oxygen you can take in, the faster you're gonna go because it's gonna provide you with more energy. So these sets are amazing to increase increasing your, your threshold, increasing your fitness, just because they're going to allow you to take, uh, to train your body to take in more oxygen, which at the end it's gonna turn out into more energy available for you. And I know I'm going super fast. I get really excited. So let me know if you have any questions about anything that I'm saying, and I will be more than happy to answer. Hey, Scott. Hey, Meg. So happy to have you here, guys. Um, the other thing we did on the bike, which is, I would say, a little bit similar to Max Power, it's the... It's sort of like hit training and interval training. So the difference about this is that the um, the 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 break is a little shorter. So what we did on camp, it was 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. So that's sort of like a hit training. But again, the difference with this is that you almost get not break, no break. You're just getting 10 seconds break. So that's definitely going to help you. Um, I would say that the the main benefit from this set is like let's say you're on a race and you're gonna pass someone that's really gonna give you the training that you need to do that pass without killing yourself why because your body knows how to do that we definitely don't want to be doing a race um, on you know hit with hit training like it's it's gonna be almost impossible to maintain that same intensity for the whole race but sometimes there are going to be times where we need that and if we train our body to know how it's supposed to feel and then you know without having that long of a break because on a race you don't want to be like taking two minute break so this session is really going to help you to become very efficient in going fast without having to take so much of a break and the other thing with this, with the HIIT training and also with the max power, also you want to make sure that you have enough 
resistance in your pedal. This is not the time to just go really fast without having any resistance. Now your cadence might change a little bit, like you can go up to 90 and that's fine, but you're supposed to go to 90 with a higher gear rather than going to 90 with no gear at all. Why? Because that's going to allow you to become stronger on the bike. And that's always something you want to aim for because if you have stronger legs and if you're doing flats and even if you're going uphill, you're going to be able to go faster. So I hope it's clear that the reason why we focus a lot on cadence here and having lower cadence on the bike is so that then when we do the run, because we are triathletes, we are not only cyclists, is so that when we go on the run, we actually use another type of muscle fiber that's like the fast switch fibers so that uh, we can actually go faster when we're running and we are not super tired on our legs. Now, the next thing I'm going to go over is the swim that we did, and I'm just going to put it all together So, because we had two swim sessions. So I'm just going to put all of the things we did together and also explain to you uh, the reasoning behind some of the drills that we did, some of the sets that we did, so that when you see it on training, you're like, oh, okay, this is why I'm doing this. So the first thing that we started with, which is actually one of my absolute favorites, and I used to panic every time I saw I, I did this like I remember Beck would always be telling me like hey MC don't be breathing because I would cheat all the time because I it was almost impossible for me to not breathe and this is the deep water start the deep water start is going to help you so much to become confident on your race start to deal with hypoxic breathing which means you have little oxygen available whenever you're swimming or I mean you can do hypoxic with everything, but we apply it specifically for swimming. And it's also going to help you so much if you tend to suffer with anxiety for open water swimming. So it has so many benefits. And if I can put it in one word, I mean, you want to be able to train, race, start, so that when you start a race, your body knows what's happening. And you, you're able to, to know how to handle whether it's a negative thought that's coming in or it's anxiety or it's maybe you know whatever it is that you're dealing with training is the best opportunity that you have to learn to have a plan of action so that on race day you know how to handle it so the way we do it is you're threading water you're moving your arms and your body needs to be in this position so you also have to be kicking Okay, you're just going to do the regular kick and you're going to be threading water and you have to be as calm as possible without, you know, like taking much energy because what's going to happen? When we say go, you're going to aim to do um, about 12 strokes. The goal is to get to half of the pool and then stop there and not touch the floor. So when you get to the half of the pool, you start threading water again, you start kicking lightly, and then the interval is going to be everywhere, anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute, depending on your fitness level, and then you go again. So we usually do it for about 10 times, and the goal is to not touch the floor, to thread water while you're waiting, and to not breathe. Now again, I've been through this and I know that sometimes you, the anxiety kicks in or maybe this is something new to you and you have to get your body used to it. So do not, do not get upset if you are breathing um, for the first couple of times that you do it. It's absolutely normal. Rather than focusing on the fact that you're like, oh, this is not working and I'm breathing, focus on the fact that this is going to help you tremendously to become better at race start. So. The more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. So again, 
you want to aim to do 12 strokes, no breathing. Then when you get on the middle of the pool, you start threading. That's your opportunity to take a breath. And then you do it again. The interval is going to change depending on your fitness level. So um, let's see. The other thing that we did, and I will also uh, post or tag a post I did about bound, band only. Now, the band is uh, sort of like a love-hate relationship because it's hard. It's absolutely, for me personally, one of the hardest drills um, to learn just because it requires a lot of focus, a lot of strength, and a lot of commitment because it is frustrating to be drowning. It is frustrating to not be able to move as fast as you can. But again, just remember that what you focus on is where you will go. If you keep focusing on how frustrated you are, you're going to keep attracting more frustration. So what I told um, all the campers and what I tell my athletes is see this as an opportunity, see the uncomfort as an opportunity for you to know that this uncomfort will lead you to a better self, to a stronger self. And when you focus on that, everything's going to change. So instead of focusing on how frustrated you are, focus on the fact that becoming stronger with a band is going to make you a better swimmer. Now, with the band, what's going to help you with is with faster stroke. If you have a slow stroke, you're going to drown. If you have a faster stroke, you're going to be able to maintain a better body position, which also is going to help you when you're wearing the band. The other thing is that you want to wear it below the calf and you want to have a little bit of space. Um, I know they say it can be half a fist or a full fist of distance. So it, you never want to have it really close together, which is actually a mistake that I used to, to make. I, I used to wear it really tight to the point where, you know, my feet were so close together and that impaired my movement. So you do want to make sure that you do have a little bit of distance and you can measure with your fist, full fist, half a fist, try it with both. The way I like to do my bands is with tire tubes, bike tire tubes. You measure your calf or underneath your calf, and then you cut it. You just make a knot, and you can make 20 of them. Whenever you get a flat, just save it and make sure you use those. That's what we use, and it's amazing because you can have five or six, and you can do different uh, dimensions, and then you can see which one feels better for you personally. Now, the other thing is that um, the band only is going to help you develop so much upper body strength, which if you notice, this is consistent with the bike and the run and the swim, we always have exercises that are going to um, put you in that position when you, where you're developing more strength. Because the stronger you are, the faster you're going to go. And that's something that we obviously want to focus on. Now, um, with the band, you want to focus on having a strong, deep catch. So a lot of people would swim, you know, just like and it's hard to see, I'm sorry. But a lot of people would just swim here, and actually this is not the position, you should never bend your wrist. But um, if your hand is like this, just make sure you, uh, you extend your body, you sort of like rotate your body, and you have a really, really deep catch so that you're, you're dragging more water and then um, you can move forward better. So that's, those are some of the benefits of using a band. Now, something else that I noticed, 
a lot of people have never used paddles, which I'm going to go on next. And sometimes you're going to see on the training to do a paddle band. So if you've never done band, if you've never done paddles, I highly recommend that you do one or the other, not both together, so that you get used to the feel of one, okay? So, uh, because whenever you put the bands on the paddles, which is another drill that we did, it's going to be a little bit harder because you've got to have that strength because the paddles are going to restrict, are going to add more restriction or more friction. So you want to make sure that um, you use one or the other, not both together if you've never used either paddles or band. Now, um, the other thing, which I'm already talking about, it's the band paddles, which is also going to help you with your stroke, right? And the paddles really help you with the strength underwater. Now, most of you might know that there's more resistance in the water than on the air. So whenever you have the paddles, it's like creating so much resistance that's going to force you to add more strength to the, to the stroke. So um, it's really going to help you to create that strength underneath the water and really going to help you as well um, with... Um, when, whenever you have the band to use that upper body strength. Now, whenever we are focusing on upper body strength, remember that swimming is not only upper body strength. Like you're actually swimming from the tip of your finger to the tip of your toe. It should be like one movement, but we do want to develop that upper body strength because again, we are triathletes and a lot of people will tell you to focus on the kick, but you actually want to save your legs as much as you can. That's why we focus so much time on developing the upper body strength so that you can become uh, stronger on the upper body and take advantage of that so that you can save your legs for the bike and for the run. Um, the other drill that we tried was sighting. Again, common sense. You want to try sighting because on race day, you have to know where you're going. And if you don't know how to sight, you're probably going to get off course and it's not going to be nice because you're going to end up swimming more and you're going to get frustrated. So again, always practice what you're going to do on race day on training so that you're not you know, doing extra swimming. Like You don't want to do anything extra. Now with the sighting, I personally recommend that you decide after breathing. Now, this is not a rule. I feel like it's pretty general. Like some people do better, you know, if they uh, breathe before or after. I personally recommend that you swim after and you don't want to do them both together. So if you're breathing on the side and then you side, make sure you do one before the other or after and not at the same time because that's going to create a lot of tension and then you might end up drowning a little bit. But that's a drill that you definitely want to practice. And just remember that when you breathe, you want to breathe almost like looking to the sides. So when you're doing this movement, you just twist your head a little bit so that your eyes come out, but you want to avoid having your whole head come out of the water, again, because that's going to make your hips and your legs drop. So whenever you're breathing correctly, it should be quite easy to do the sighting drill. And again, the first couple of times, it's not going to be perfect. It might be a little frustrating, but just know that with practice, you are going to get better. Okay, 
So the last thing that we did was flip turn, the famous flip turn. And I know that a lot of people don't really think this is so important, but uh, being someone that used to not flip turn at all, and now I'm, I'm still in the process, I'm perfecting my flip turn. I believe it's extremely important so that you maintain the rhythm and so, so that you become stronger with breathing. So there's a lot of ways in which people do the, um, the flip turn and i would highly recommend that you go back to the videos that i posted where meg and um debbie were demonstrating how to do the flip turn and you can notice that both of them do them quite a little different but what you want to make sure is that you're not take like holding onto the wall taking that breath which is going to uh break the rhythm that you have and imagine it would be like if you're running and then you stop and you're running and then you stop like you do if you're not going to do that when you're running or when you're biking you don't want to do it when you're swimming so that's why it's so important to do the flip turn now something that i started doing because i was not good at flip turn i would do like my own flip turn which did not look like a flip turn but that allowed me to keep my rhythm and then i started to focus on you know really perfecting the flip turn but my main focus what was not losing my rhythm and not taking so much extra breath that will affect the the swim I was doing so that's why I believe the flip turn is super important now something I, I just want to say like general I believe that the, if there is one thing that you want to focus on improving for your swim, it should be the breathing. If you become good at breathing, I honestly believe that that's going to transform your swim, even if your stroke is not the best. Of course, you wanna focus on having you know, good rotation, a good stroke, and a good overall body position, but I do believe that the first thing that most people should focus on is on learning how to breathe correctly when you're swimming. Okay, guys, so that is it for the swim. Now I'm going to end this with the run. So for the run, we had uh, two run sessions. The first one was right after the bike where we did turnovers. Now, the great thing about this is that we were able to get on the bike and then get off the bike, I'm sorry, and then get on the treadmill right away. Now, what the turnovers are going to, to do is they're going to allow you to become faster. Now, this is the time to practice. This is where you become faster. A lot of people believe that if you want to become faster, then you go run an hour and a half, an hour 20, or an hour fast. Now, this is not really the way that we do it. We do have those speed sessions when we go fast, when we go all out, and that is where you build your speed. Most of the times during the long runs that we have, they are going to be easy. There are some runs that are long that we do at some speed work, but you're rarely going to see an hour and a half run where you go all out. So just know that if in your plan it says easy, it is supposed to be easy and avoid having that misconception that in order to become fast, you have to run fast for a long period of time. So this is a great thing about intervals that they give you that speed that you need without hurting your body and uh, they allow you to take a little bit of a rest in between so that you can get back to it. You can work on your cadence, you can work on your form and if you do it right after the bike, it's great because it's good to practice that transition from bike to run. The other session that we did is um, the long run, which we did yesterday. And um, so again, with long runs, 
just follow what your training says. Sometimes there's going to be heel work. Sometimes there's going to be speed work. But the one thing I want to say about the run is to really focus on your form. Remember that your shoulders should, should always be back. You should always be leaning forward, and you should never be looking up. So your gaze, it's supposed to be somewhere like, I don't know if you can see me, but somewhere like this. Um, so not looking forward, not looking down, but somewhere in the middle so that um, you get a better body positioning. And you also want to focus, again, on leaning forward, shoulder backs. And remember that what your arms do, your legs are going to follow. The faster you move your arms, the faster your legs are going to move. Now, when you're focusing on running and we talk about cadence, you want to have about 90 cadence. And again, it doesn't have to be an exact number, but let's say have a 70 cadence you definitely want to bring it up um but if it's between 80 and 90 it should be totally fine and know that in order to change your cadence it is going to take time because your body is used to running a certain way so whenever you change something it takes your brain your body your muscles like your whole body a little bit to get used to doing something different so again when you're doing easy like really easy runs do not worry about your cadence because it's going to be really hard for you to hit that higher cadence if you're going really slow. The higher cadence only applies for tempo and fast runs uh, so that you're not like doing easy runs and you're like, oh, I can't hit the cadence and you're like doing super short steps. So that's just something uh, I know that's a question that has come up. So just know that this does not apply for easy runs. Um, we also talked a little bit about uphill form. So uh, this is something that Siri always says that it needs to be stuck in your brain. And that's quick feet, little feet, quick feet, little feet, quick feet, little feet. And that's how you want to go up a hill. You want to avoid having that long stride. And you, actually, you never want to look at the top of the hill, but rather continue to have your gaze sort of like forward, but without looking up. So uh, when you do the, those weak feet, little feet, which means like a shorter stride, you're going to be able to be more efficient with your uphill form. And you still want to maintain that forward lean and avoid, you know, going back. So uphill form, it's extremely important. We don't really do a lot of downhill training just because that's a lot of stress on your body. But when you are doing downhill, whether on a race or you're just doing a course that has a downhill, you also want to avoid leaning back. The, the running position is always going to be the same. The only thing that changes a little bit is when you're going uphill, you do want to have that shorter stride so that uh, you go up more efficiently and you're not doing like a longer stride that it's not going to allow you to go as fast as you can. And always remember to pump your arms and, you know, just stay relaxed and really focus. Um, like a really good way to improve your run is to really focus on your cadence. And you can either do it by counting each step with like both legs or just with one leg. And um, you're more than welcome to post your videos um, if you need to have either your run, bike, or uh, swim analyzed, and we can definitely help you with that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, actually, uh, we did have a strength and mobility or functional session with Erin Carson. And uh, if you go to your app, store in your phone and you type EC fit, you're going to be able to find the plans there. And honestly, going to that session was absolutely amazing because uh, she talked a lot about the importance of having, you know, that mobility. Um, and she talked about three of the areas that we as athletes need to really work on and that that is the thoracic, 
the hips and the ankles and she showed us some exercises that we could do to actually open it up because the more open you are on the front the better you're going to be able to breathe and the better you're going to be able to run and pretty much do everything and the reason this is mo mostly important for us triathletes is because we're in this position so much so everything sort of like gets close together so whenever we go on the run we want to be able to be open so that more breath comes in and so that we're not tied anywhere the same with the hips we're sitting down on the bike for a long time our hip flexors get very tight and sometimes that can lead to a very bad run so making sure you uh, prioritize mobility and functional training I personally believe it's life-saving not just to allow you to perform better but to allow you to prevent injury because if you're running with a tight body your muscles are going to be tied, everything is going to be tied, and that is what often leads to injury. So I highly recommend that you check that out. I did take a lot of notes. I don't really have time to go over all of the exercises, but I will make some time to create a post with everything that was discussed on that session, and I will show you some of the exercises that we did whenever I do the post. So definitely, um, be waiting for that and let me know if you have any specific uh, questions related to that. Okay, guys, so that's what I have. That's what we did during camp. Again, we started with a bike session, then we did some swim, then we had the strength session, then we had an amazing dinner, and then the next day we did a run and then we did a swim. So it was a very difficult, uh, a very challenging weekend. I feel like all of the athletes that came here absolutely benefited, uh, you know, from, uh, from camp. Beck actually took some time to take some athletes on the side to look at their form. We looked at the form of people running where they were running on the treadmill. So it was absolutely amazing to have the opportunity to help athletes really uh, create a good foundation because when you don't have a good foundation, it doesn't matter how hard you're training, it's gonna be harder for you to see results. So again, I encourage each and one of you, uh, just for, for the sake of your health and you know to avoid injury, to really focus on having a good form before focusing on speed or volume, just because that's really going to allow you, again, not, not just to perform better, but to avoid injury, which is something that nobody wants to deal with. So my takeaways is really focus on your form, Follow your training as it is. If you have any questions, never be, be hesitant to ask. And, I'll sh and also get on the train of doing functional and mobility and strength training, which are really going to allow you to become a better athlete overall, to avoid injury, and to just feel better whenever you're doing any of the sports. So let me see. I do not see any questions here, uh, but again, if you watch this later and any questions come up, feel free to ask. I will be more than happy to answer. And I want to thank everyone again who came to Boulder this weekend. Um, it was an absolutely pleasure to meet uh, to meet each one of you guys, and I am just um, you know so excited to have such an amazing group of people. And uh, it's going to be an amazing year. I have no doubt about it. So um, keep focusing. I think right now it's a great opportunity to. Focus on your goals, focus on the things that you want to achieve this year. And one thing that I do want to say when you're working on your goals, focus more on the growth that you want to get out of those goals and the skills that you need to develop in order to make 
those goals happen. So rather than say, like if one of your goals is to become faster, focus on what skills you need to develop in order to become faster, rather than just saying, I want to become faster. There needs to be a plan for each goal that you have so that you can actually get there. Let's together try not to make this year another year where you get to the end of the year and you're like, oh, I wasn't able to accomplish that. Let's make this a year where we make things happen and where we grow, where we learn and, um, you know, where we uh, stretch ourselves, we get out of our comfort zones. So I highly recommend that if you haven't done that, you sit down and you write your goals for this year and the action steps that you're gonna take in order to reach those goals. I'm gonna end it up with that. Hope every, everyone's having an amazing evening. I love you all, sending hugs and hope everyone has an amazing week. Bye-bye. Hi there, Cam here again. Hope you enjoyed that and thanks MC. And don't forget, if you want to join these chats live or get some of the other amazing benefits of being a member of Team Serious Tri Club, you can join up at teamseriestriclub.com.